0: Do do you have love in your heart to solve racism? Not for this show. (laughs) Okay. Welcome back to Ben and Matt's marvellous journey. This is an MCU podcast. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by Ben Phillips for episode 28. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ben... This
1: isn't a good show. <laughs> this, I think this is the worst thing they've done since Hulk.
0: I was going... Yeah, like, in my in my review on the website, entertherailworld.com, Marvel Mondays, I think I called it the most wholly unsuccessful project they've done in years. And when I said that, I don't know what I thought the year... I, I think you're right. I think it's Hulk. Like, I don't, I don't think they've done
1: anything this bad since Because so. I think I can point to things... I mean, I can point to things in Hulk that I like, and I can point to things in, in this that I like, and it tends to be there is a performance that, like... I think is quite good. Hmm. But in terms of, like, there are more successful things in Iron Man 2 and there are more successful things in Thor The Dark World, kind Mm -hmm. of like the two ubiquitous, kind of like, the ones actually with Feige control in.
0: Well, you know what they have in common? Strong, likable leads. (laughs) You know, like, I will follow Chris Hemsworth through, like, just wading through shit. But I have to be following him. And no offence to Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan. I'm seeing
1: here Sebastian Stan is billed first somehow. Weird. They fl- they flipped every episode, didn't they? Because they both uh, the titles, so every episode was like it was Stan or Mackie, depending uh, on what the episode okay. was.
0: No offense to either of them. I'm not convinced either as a leading man. I think that I think the Stan one was descri- was decided years ago that he's not a leading man. I think Anthony Mackie is trying his damnedest to prove he is, and I just simply have yet to see the evidence. He's charismatic as hell, but it just something about him it doesn't work in a lead. And, like, I'm willing to say, you know, this is bad material, and if you put Chris Evans in this, he would struggle, but, like
1: but also this show is not this show if it's chris evans in the lead. Well,
0: not sure, but like in a world where chris evans is debuting as captain america and you switch the race stuff for some other injustice, if this is his debut, he flounders probably as well. But like it's not entirely because Mackie isn't good enough, like the show just fucking sucks. But like I don't think it helps that like
1: No, this is this is a show that was greenlit off of the back of some people enjoying like, two moments of comedy right. in, in, like, Civil War.
0: Right, I was, I was gonna say, like, yeah, it, it turns out that you can't just point to a thing, a microcosm of a thing in a movie and say, that should get its own series. It, maybe like, sometimes you can, but, like, this this, this is proof, not all of it, and it's proof that I don't think the MCU is, is bulletproof in that way. Like, this is... Like, we talked last week in WandaVision about how, like, in theory, the... Disney Plus allows them to take lesser-served characters who would struggle to get a, a tentpole movie made for them and, and, like, giving them a chance to shine, like, or, or smaller characters, more niche characters. And, like, to take, you know, the perpetually underbaked Winter Soldier, I know there is, a st- there is a section of, like, Stan Twitter who are, like, you know, thirsty for him, but let's be honest, bad character so far in the movies. Yeah, like,
1: the, the amount of... <laughs> The amount of people I've been seeing, like, show me something, like, that's not erotic, but is, like, makes you horny. And it's, like, the shot of Winter Soldier falling onto the car in the Winter Soldier movie and then walking and, like, reloading the gun. I'm like, what? What on earth are you talking about?
0: I thought it was him catching the shield was the thirsty moment, but... People have got weird. I know, I know. And, like, Falcon, you know, has been a sidekick character, etc. Like, Falcon in the comics had never really, to me did much uh, until <laughs> the impetus of this show which we'll talk about and yeah like the actors are not A-list and they're like okay let's give them a show and run with it and it sucks <laughs> and I'm just missing a larger presence and like I get it Chris Evans has done a lot of Captain America Um we've seen a lot of Steve Rogers stories it is time for him to hang it up I mean we might as well go to comic book corner early like Sam Wilson in the comics. Very, very, briefly, one of, very <laughs> briefly becomes Captain America. Very briefly becomes Captain America. But like, well, a mean, lot so, of people have briefly become Captain America and I think it was the most, it felt the biggest one. Like, yeah, there's, like, there's like the, for the, a hot the, minute, it was well received, I think.
1: Yeah, there's the two the two moments which is like, I mean obviously other characters have been Captain America and they're pulling from, kind of, I think every single character who has ever been called Captain America is in this series.
0: There's got to be one.
1: Other than them, but yeah, I think I mean, like the big I, ones are I, Sam Bucky and John. Yeah, it, they have got every single super soldier from the comics, pretty much. Right? In
0: this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you've got Isaiah Bradley, and then
1: yeah, yeah, like um, like they're pulling pulling deep from the comics to kind of like tell a story about super soldiers. But kind of it's it's not really a story about super soldiers. It's not really a story about race. But yeah, like as you said, like the big the biggies are Bucky and Falcon. So Bucky becomes Captain America after like they kind of. <laughs> at the end of the Brubaker run they've kind of resolved the story of the Winter Soldier, they've brought him back over to the good side and they're like... It wasn't like that cat dies yeah, in yeah. Civil War, yeah
0: Batman, they they, they, they do it, the Batman it. thing, where like, the sidekick can do the perfect impression of him because he's been with him for so many years, and they happen to be identical heights and body types and stuff.
1: Yeah, so Bucky becomes Captain America very briefly then, then Cap comes back after an adventure in time. <laughs> Literally Which... identical to what happened with
0: Batman.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and then a couple of years later, Captain America had the super soldier serum taken out of him, and he, like aged to his correct age uh-huh and, and he so, was like
0: in charge of shield as as like 80 year old old man rogers or whatever
1: yeah and then falcon took over and then secret wars happened and we came back and captain america was back in charge but was a hydra nazi
0: yes but that was a ruse but it wasn't but very controversial uh um, <laughs> thanks nick spencer <laughs> yeah but you know for, for like a hot minute they had Sam Wilson, Captain America. They had Jane Foster, Thor, which will come up next year or this year in terms of movies. So you had, like, this new Avengers, and I know the term new Avengers is thrown around a lot, but, like, I think particularly Jane, but, like, to a lesser extent, uh, Sam as Cap. It, it did go down pretty well. Like, it's a strong costume design, I think. Like merging I think I th- the,
1: the key difference between Sam Cap and Jane Thor mm. is that the the story of Sam Cap like the big story of him as Captain America is a story in which Captain America Steve Rogers is a Nazi is <laughs> it, like it's not a good story and it's not yeah. a good story to tell with these characters. Whereas get... Thor
0: got two really good books, so yeah, exactly. Like she, <laughs> she
1: has got a story that's like really well told and people loved and stuff like that, and yeah. and it helps obviously like you've got some like incredible artists on that book and it just became like incredibly iconic immediately. So and, and yeah. it's it's not a bad idea because obviously yeah. they've done this in the same way that like. And again, like it's it's weird that I mean the way that we talk about Marvel and DC characters in terms of being similar, like is normally Batman and Daredevil. Mm. But it does feel like in some ways that the way that the stories are presented, like it's actually Batman and Captain America that have the most similarities between the mm. two companies. And even when Captain America died during Civil War, the, they published a mini-series that was like, "Who will get the shield?" Yes, and yes. it's the same thing where it's like it's going through the people in his life who we think are like worthy of of wielding the shield in the same way that in Batman they did the the battle for the cow, for was the like, cow yeah. Who will who will be the person who has the cow? And it's like it's interesting that they they the, the two characters are kind of like treated in this very similar way. And I I think Sam was in contention for the shield when Bucky was, but it was Ed Brubaker was writing Captain America at that time, and obviously he had done all the legwork on making winter soldier into being uh, yes his insect. baby so when you get to the movies like you kind of like you finish endgame and obviously cap retires and you're kind of going like okay i wonder i wonder what they're going to do here in terms of it and then like they just go like falcon you captain america yeah like, like, how they end endgame is like, oh not <laughs> even a competition like bucky is bowing out he doesn't want to do this
0: bucky in the movies has not been as we said all that well developed like sam has been presented as his like modern day best friend i think Sam Cap in the comics was... It was a cool thing they did. In terms of, like, they, they've let a black man be Captain America. You know, the big line in this show is they will never let a black man be Captain America. And I think they are interested in engaging with diversity on the most, like, points-winning level. I, I don't think they completely don't care about diversity. I think Kevin Feige probably does care about diversity. But, like, as a company, like, you know, they're never going to fully engage with stuff. And I think... That, to them, is, like, a big moment to to play into. And, like, Mackie is inarguably, you know, I still don't think he's quite leading man in, in big movies big. But, like, he's clearly the bigger name than Stan. And, like, I don't know, it just made sense as the journey because, like, they were attached at the hip. Like, Bucky and Steve being best friends feels like a thing they tell you, but you never actually
1: really see much of. The thing is, I, I think it just kind of removes some of the tension from it. Yeah. And I think and again it's it's the issue of this show cannot have any meaningful forward momentum to it because it isn't going to be available for everyone. So when mm-hmm. Captain America 4 comes out and we have Sam Wilson as, as Captain America, you as a viewer at home who has not watched Falcon Woman's A Soldier can go from endgame into Captain America 4 and go, yeah. Okay, this makes sense. They set yeah. this up at the end of Endgame.
0: And and that's the thing I said last week was like when they started all of this it was very clear, nothing that happens in these shows is going to truly matter. None of it is going to be essential viewing. They will they will catch you up in a sentence on all of them. And then we said how, like, oh, it turns out some of the stuff from Division seems like it is actually going to come back more so than we thought. But the one that really underlined that take is there was that quote from some high-up person at Marvel, not Feige, who said that in Captain America 4, Sam is going to have to earn the title of Captain America. I was like, that's literally the the plot of
1: this sh- this six episodes of television. <laughs> yeah, is him is him grappling with it, and I think it removes some of the tension where it's like it isn't a show in which where where Bucky is interrogating Sam Wilson about like why he should be Captain America. Instead, he's going like he gave the shield away. That was a bad mistake. Like yeah. he he's fully on board with him becoming Captain America. It feels like there is no point where. But well, he, he trusts kind of.
0: he trusts Steve's judgment is the thing, empirically, but, but that's and the, like that—that's his breakdown. Is if he was wrong about you, he was wrong about me, blah blah blah. But like, it's not a sh- like Sam just won't talk about it for like five episodes. He will not talk about or engage with the idea of even wanting to be Captain America. It's clear by the end it was a silent desire of his, but he just made good with it because he's like. He's a very passive character, and that was a criticism that, like, for the first, like, four to five episodes, Sam is presented as this very passive character, who then finally does something. And, like, the suit is cool. Like, I really like, that's a really nice, clean design. Something they've always been good at is, like, trick, (laughs) little tricks with weapons, you know? Like, bouncing hammers and shields and doing wacky shit. And that final episode is really, really, really bad. But they do find some like little moments in there with his with the combination of the shield and his wings and all of that to like do some cutesy little moments. So I have no doubt when they when he shows up in Captain America Four and he has this wing suit that some people may not have even seen, there probably will be some like. Gifts going all around the internet of like oh look at this fun thing they did
1: yeah, but like it puts, it puts all the weight of this onto like the stump people it's the stump people right. who are coming up all like the choreographers right. the visual effects people who are like getting free reign to do this and yeah. because you were putting so much weight on these kind of craft people and you're not crafting a satisfying yeah. anything around it all you have is an issue where like you just have someone on set who's kind of guiding you to the next action set piece, yeah. not imbuing it with any sense of weight or drama or anything like that, and then and, just go, and now we get the cool moment for five minutes. Yeah,
0: and the thing is, so again, we talked about like the mission statement with these Marvel shows is they're gonna look, they just they're gonna be exactly like the movies. We've got the movie actors, they're gonna look and feel like the movies. We're gonna spend movie money on them, and allegedly this cost uh, 150 million ish to produce six episodes. Um, yeah, are all longer so, than one so like, yeah, like
1: 20, 25 million per episode, which I guess makes sense because a lot of them are kind of like talking in warehouses and stuff like that. Yeah, and then like, yeah. the money comes from, okay, yeah. we, we're going to do a whole special effects sequence in episode yeah. one and episode six. But, the thing, but that's the thing. In this
0: one particularly, the action is poor. Not memorable, doesn't look good. The most concerning part is Falcon is your main character and will be a huge character going forwards. And they are not good at the flying stuff. I think his best showing in terms of flying is in that bad last episode where it's night time so they can hide it a bit better. But they open the whole show with Falcon on like a little Falcon mission. They have some flying in episode two with like the, the, the truck fight on top of the trucks and like Falcons flying in and out and from truck to truck. And it just looks like shit. Like it really does. And like he's obviously flown in plenty of movies before and it didn't necessarily look great there but he wasn't the star attraction you knew he was going to be for this you had to up your game in the flying and they didn't until that last episode like i actually think there's like a 20 minute cut of cutesy moments in the finale that is actually good it's just the other like 40 minutes are like pure unbridled shit but yeah like so your lead writer is malcolm Spellman who, who comes from empire he's working on that bel-air show that Does not have great feedback (laughs) that he has been handed Captain America 4 as. I mean, I'm sure it will be co written as they all are, but like, you know, that's not a great sign because he showed nothing here that told me like he can pull off a big giant movie. Carrie Skoglund directs. We were talking about Carrie Skoglund just before we started and like she's got loads of credits, but like none of them are like blow away. Like, Handmaid's Tale is the biggest thing, and like you know, several episodes of Handmaid's Tale, several episodes of The Borgias, but it's like one episode of The Walking Dead, one episode of House of Cards, one episode of The Americans, like all this sort of stuff, and just again like one director the whole time, and like I think even Scoggins had like more of a creative voice than than the other than the one director got, but. Because there were some quotes coming from from her. We'll talk about John Walker later. That are like just really concerning to me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it's good that Marvel have like got a female director for this. Like, yeah, it, it's yeah. rare to see female action directors. She's obviously someone who has worked in television in these kind of big budget shows. But you compare her to Matt Shackman, mm. who is working on like stuff like Game of Thrones and then you go and like, right, we've got someone who worked on The Bastard Executioner, which is a show that's got like a, a tenth of the budget of Game of Thrones did at some point and just looks a hell of a lot muddier and a hell of a lot worse. Mm. And I mean, it's interesting, like, I don't know how, but she's managed to parlay Falcon and Winter Soldier into doing Cleo- the Cleopatra movie with Calcadot, mm. who uh, Arthur Patty Jenkins has, like, stepped down. and it's like, <laughs> I saw nothing in this that makes me think that she could do the kind of, like, uh. sense of scale that you would need for a Cleopatra movie.
0: No, because, again, we, we, we talked about this last night. Like, I, I, I marathoned it again for some reason. They shoot everything in Atlanta.
1: They have done since, I don't know, like... Like around 20, 20, 20, phase I think, two, like. I think it was like it was like civil war might be like the oh, okay. the, the big start of it because I know they shot Guardians in the UK and yeah, they yeah. still still are alternating between like they have the permanent setup base of Atlanta which kind uh, of like half the movies are and then the other half of them are done in the UK so like yeah it's all
0: Pinewood and Atlanta yeah and like you know
1: it's always Atlanta it's always
0: those same like four way crossroads it's a generic bank a hotel just anywhere USA in this show. It's briefly actually supposed to be Georgia. And you get these wonderful shots of these incredible looking, like, draping trees. And, like, the the, the, you know, his montage where he's, like, practicing with the shield. And the lovely stuff down by the docks. And it's like, oh, this is beautiful. Look, it's location shooting. And then they're just right back to, like,
1: yeah. It's all just sound stages, the
0: same street. (laughs) And then and second to unit to
1: be Eastern Europe and
0: all. Yeah, just like, well, I oh, think man. they did shoot in Prague for this, but, but as I think well,
1: wasn't it like the stuff they shot in Prague was like the scene outside the church, which like you just couldn't. I, th- I, like I think the it's the, like the courtyards and the cobbled yeah. streets, and that's it. Yeah, but
0: yeah, just but even those like quite pretty shots. It's still not like whoa, I'll give this person some movies and TV shows immediately.
1: <laughs> it's just it's just funny to watch. The, the big one for me was in episode five when yeah. the Flag Smashers are having their conversation about, like, we're a lot bigger than you think we are. And then, like, the text message goes off and all the people that look at their phones and they're supposed <laughs> to be sat in Central Park. The John Wick moment. Yeah, and then they all walk <laughs> towards them and stuff like that. And the camera pans up to show you the Manhattan skyline. And you're like, oh, you filmed this in a park at Atlanta and then you, like, green screened. Uh-huh. New... And I understand you cannot do – you, like – for shooting reasons and stuff like that, you we so often fake places to look like other places. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just, I wish it looked better. <laughs> I yeah. wish it, I wish, like, if you're going to do this kind of international thing, if you're going to inject the money into it, go to fucking Central Park and do the shoot there yeah. for a day.
0: But the MCU takes place in, like, McDonald's USA. Like, it's all just the same. Like, it, it, none of the, it's they're also, all set it's... in different places and they all look the same,
1: because they are yeah, the same. It's, it's... <laughs> It's the weakness that we've had, and it's like it's why Winter Soldier's action is kind of like I mean, obviously it looked good, but it still like was kind of a precursor to some of the issues they were gonna have. But like you think of the the Samuel L. Jackson car chase in that movie, and it was like shot on actual fucking streets and like they were like Mm -hmm. shooting cars. I know it's like anywhere USA, but it felt real and tangible. And then when you get to Civil War, the big action set piece of that movie is a deserted airfield, and it feels like all of the action is increasingly becoming like we have created a big green screen set like in Endgame. They're they're
0: one two-punch of the biggest movies ever. You see all the -the behind-the-scenes footage and it's one... They've created, like, a couple of bits of fake rubble and all of the rest is green screen and it's so grim and depressing to see, like, all 30 of them standing in this, like, fake rubble area. And it's like, oh my god. So I can understand why, like, actors would struggle with this because...
1: But, but, yeah, but it's, the, it's just, the issues it's, with the
0: show run far far deeper than just the generic practice of, of of not shooting on location and like the one that for me throughout was they were just trying to mush two fundamentally different things together and I pitched it as you do this show but you eliminate several elements and you focus you let the other stuff breathe better and then you do a Captain America four and for me it was like the series is the flag smashers and Walker. And Sam coming to terms with being Captain America, and then you do a movie with Zemo and Wakanda and Madripoor, and it's a big globe-trotting action thing. And they just wanted to do all of it together. And there's just too many ideas. None of them are well developed enough. Like, like, so you've got like, there's the Sam John and racism show. There's the flag smashers and the glo- the GRC. There's Zemo Bucky and Wakanda. There's the Power Broker. And then there's all these extra characters who have been tacked on to artificially lengthen it. Like, basically, they made a movie but longer. They yeah. didn't make and, a TV
1: show. <laughs> yeah, and and like I think that's the the core difference is like you can see the skeletons of them coming. This is our episode in Madripoor. This is our episode where we do this. Like this is the the Wakanda episode. But yeah. the, but the thing is like they let too much bleed into each individual episode, and so every episode is grappling with kind of like five or six different plot lines, and you're confused about what
0: yeah.
1: what the whole point of it. But like, is. like
0: like you look at them in episode one, and they each have their own satellite of characters. Like Sam has his family and Torres. Bucky has therapy, he has Yuri, he has a love interest. They're all there in episode one, they all basically vanish, and it's like, fuck off until we need you again. Which is movie practice. Like, in movies, you get a family at the beginning and you get a family at the end. And they're not there in the middle. In a real-ass TV show, Sam's sister is, like, third lead and has something to do in every episode. And that's not the case. And it just ends up feeling, like, redundant time. Like, it's an insincere engagement. And, like, Torres is set up to be his, like, his Sam. And, like, he has to fuck off until you give him the wings near the end. And, like, ostensibly he's going to go be the new Falcon, but, like, that's going to mean nothing because (laughs) he was nothing in this show.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, and he, Torres is the one that I'm kind of like, are you a late addition to kind of, like, wallpaper over some stuff? Because obviously, like, before we discuss kind of, like, what the show exists as now, like, we do need to discuss that covid Turbo fucked this show. Yeah, I
0: think it, like we said last week, this, this was supposed to be first. I
1: think it was finished, and they just had to edit it a lot because of... I think they had some stuff to do okay. in the, the final episodes. They did have some shooting to do. So I think One Division was always intended to be first, and they had to like. I thought this was something. supposed to be first. It was. It was supposed to be first, but I think it was like when we got into the oh, midst okay. of COVID, and they were like, "We've got like half an episode still to shoot for Winter uh, Soldier, okay. and One Division's got like not that much left to do." So we'll shift One Division first. But then the issue is, is that the reason why production shut down was because mm. of the global pandemic, and a lot of this this TV show was going to be there is a disease spreading through displaced communities. Yep. Yeah. So,
0: right. <laughs> we talk all the time, or we have talked a lot in the last year, about how coming out of Endgame, it's very unclear what the status quo is. Are there Avengers? Are we going to engage with what actually it looks like when people snap back? And they've gradually done a little bit of that. They, The plot of this show ostensibly is... And, like, the Flag Smashers, I think if you are willing to do their homework, (laughs) if you're willing to do it for them, they are a fascinating idea. In that, when half the world disappears, suddenly there isn't a massive resource crisis where the world is overpopulated that is inarguable and, like, there were fewer people scrambling for less resources... People bonded together out of tragedy. They, you know, there are, they, there
1: are like fundamentally more jobs, and there's yep. a, like a, a resource a resource deficit. So you have people going like, we need to allow in refugees yep. to come in and take these jobs. Like there are these houses that are empty because like an entire family has like moved on, and yep. like they didn't want to live in a house, or let like, the oh, the sole person taking yeah. control like, in like the, finances the, is gone. The concept of borders seems to have been
0: dramatically relaxed, and the, the, their catchphrase is "One World, One People," and they are. You look at them and whenever they, they, you know, they're going from safe house to safe house. They are incredibly diverse, you know, people from all over the world. And I'm not just talking like four shades of American. I'm talking like many nationalities from many corners of the globe. And then suddenly all these people come back and you set up this thing called the GRC, the Global Repatriation Council or something like that, Mm -hmm. who are like, right, all these new people, they need all of our resources, all of our time, all of our money all of you people, you know, who were here before, fuck off. <laughs> and I don't know if they were going to go as far as to say the new people are the cause of the pandemic, or the,
1: the the disease. Like it's, it's What you've the... done is you basically said, five years ago these people went away with a certain number of germs. Yeah. They've now all come back and been reintroduced to the Petri dish, and you've got people who live in areas where they weren't supposed to live before or like, didn't live before, and yeah. essentially you've just kind of like whatever cold and flu symptoms were around five years ago is now being like yeah. massively rapidly reintroduced into the society which yeah. interesting on like a on, <laughs> on a on a level yeah. uh, in a world in which we've just had a global pandemic in which a bomber, a bomber, yeah and so they kind of have to rip it all out so you get like incredibly obviously like 80 yard lines that like the person who like carly carly looks up to in the fag smashes has like died of yeah. tu- has like died of tuberculosis yeah and like we are having to staple this together from like not very much
0: yeah exactly Such. and and like yeah like so they end up just being this lame like you never truly get there. like they, they give you lines here and there that if you are willing to connect the dots for them they're an interesting group but like they are just labelled as yeah they they just end up feeling so toothless and and so all over the place and like you never truly get that,
1: like, proper monologue type thing. And, yeah, like... it isn't clear what their motivations are. Yeah. Like, we know they're stealing medicine and all the rest of it, and it takes yeah. you a while to figure out that they're stealing medicine for a underprivileged community.
0: Yeah.
1: It, it, it feels like they're trying to do Killmonger. Like, they have yeah. watched Black Panther, and they have gone, like, what if we make the villain sympathetic? Is, mm-hmm. is the homework they've taken away from it? But then they fundamentally fucked up in the fact that like where they've got their lines confused is that you have in the show as well an unsympathetic villain character mm-hmm. who is obviously intended to hang around so they have to re- redeem in some way uh-huh. and then you have Carly who is fundamentally sympathetic but you have to basically muddy her to a point where
0: she just turns hyper violent in the finale
1: for like yeah. no reason, she's like yeah worst case scenario we'll just kill them all, uh-huh. the thing. She, who are she, you? Is, like... she, isn't, she isn't Killmonger, Killmonger <laughs> who literally walks into the movie and is just like all of my scars are people that I've killed. Yeah. And, and he is like obviously an angry person who has been influenced by the world in which he was basically left in, a world in which the Wakandan royal family basically took everything away from him that he, he wanted or he had in his life. And his basically entire life is to go like, we need to stop having this regressive worldview of Wakanda and I'm going to fix this country through whatever means necessary because they took everything from me, mm-hmm. is, is his point of view. And Carly's thing is, I took a super soldier serum and I think it made me a little bit more angry um, well, let's kill some hostages so that they don't do a vote. Yeah, like, like she, it, it, that is her end game is just like forcing people to do what she wants for them, rather than actually having like a, yeah. a point of view that is like based in her life experiences. They,
0: they just turn her into that grinning, like she's got that little cocky grin on her face, and she just wants to fight everyone. And like any sense of like, you get moments here and there where she's doing a. Like, the eulogy and, like, the little talk with Sam, where Sam is like, oh, I agree with you, blah, 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 blah. It's all just out the window, and she's just got to be violent so that they can have her die in his arms, and then it's like, oh, but she was right, like, killmonger. But, like, you never engage with what she was right about. And then you have Sam go on the TV and do this, like, Hollywood liberal speech where he's saying that in there, there are some very accurate things about the way we label certain people in society. The word thug is always used for minorities. Uh, and, you know, like, they, they are very careful with the way they, they, they phrase Americans versus foreigners. And, you know, he says you shouldn't call them terrorists. The fucking show is unable to present them as anything other than terrorists. Yes.
1: <laughs> so. And, it, it, I mean, and so I was watching a video on a well-known franchise called Harry Potter. <laughs> um, and basically how the, the integral weakness to the way that Harry Potter presents its storytelling is that... J.K. Rowling is fundamentally a Blairite liberal centrist. Mm-hmm. And so you have a book in which that you are being presented a world in which things are obviously not great in terms of like, there are dark wizards coming back, blah, 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 blah. But we're talking about like what what Harry stands for is he's got a bunch of friends who are like, there's racism, there's, there's corruption kind of like going throughout the society and stuff like that. But fundamentally, when Harry is fighting for a world, he's fighting for the status quo. He isn't fighting to change things. And that is fundamentally the issue with this show as well which is like you have a character who is asking for something kind of like a little bit revolutionary or or kind of like to actually progress us into a positive state of mind and the show is like yeah but we kind of want to go back to a to a normal status quo Mm. ultimately like we like we are fighting for the status quo but like we're gonna make some improvements for those people who are displaced but like it doesn't sound like sam wants to like stop the vote or anything like that he just wants to kind of like support the people who are going to be displaced by it
0: like he says his whole thing that like you know you have the same power as thanos and loki and all that and like you can fuck up as many people's lives as as those people did blah 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 do you know what also doesn't help like i i wish if you're going to do this grc they needed to be a presence throughout like the upper council needed to be characters like
1: they almost needed to be the people that were bringing in John Walker to like be in yeah. charge of things,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than it be the
1: U.S. military, And, yeah, I think, you, I think and you have
0: you have those you have two groups where like we recognize a couple of faces because they, you know, they they main character them, you know, they they put them in the middle of a frame, but they don't mean anything. And like the GRC as a concept sounds fascinating as a thing that should exist in the ongoing Marvel universe. But the upper council just sort of pop up right at the end, and we don't care about any of them. And like, mm-hmm. I think in a world where like you have less going on, and you can make the flag smashers bigger, you can give a, a braver show. Would have given a whole episode from Carly's point of view. Maybe it's like the last few days of the blip, or like a sort of highlight reel of what her life looked like throughout the blip and her past and all of this stuff. And they would have also made the GRC, like, a bigger thing, and, like, the council in every episode, and... Oh, but none of I that. Mean, I, again, <laughs> I mean, again,
1: my, my fundamental tweak to the show is you explicitly make Carly into a Robin Hood-type figure. Yeah. Like, is stealing from the rich to give to the poor fundamentally, yeah. and she is popular because of it. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I get the
0: hesitance to, like, do a, co- a, a pandemic thing in the middle of a pandemic. And, it, you know, again, this, this was March to April of 2021... You know, you're a year in at that point. Personally, I think I could I could stand some some stuff about COVID at this point.
1: Or at least you could, like, mentally say, like, movies are going to do this kind of thing. Like, yeah. I, you don't need to edit out if it's just another thing that's gone wrong because I've got the wherewithal to realise that, like...
0: Just put a warning at the beginning or something,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the trigger warning. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, I mean obviously, like, it, I think the Flag Smashers are kind of, like, the big hole... At the yeah. center of this is that they are trying and they are reaching to make a political statement. Yeah. And they are too scared to fully commit either yeah. way to it. And so you end up with again the toothless liberal uh, like someone solves it through argument at the end. And it just yeah. feels so redundant and stuff like that. And yeah. and it's just it's just compounded by John Walker as an interesting character. I, portrayed I, I... well by Wyatt Russell, that is just completely bungled <laughs> yeah like completely defanged as like the opposite side of this and again his plot line should be him trying to become Captain America and seeing that all the things that he does on behalf of the GRC seen as like a negative thing or seen as like a bad thing by the world and instead he's watching Carly Morgenthau who is a, a mixed race person being like paraded up and you get to do the racial stuff and you get to do grappling with like what it means to be Captain America and you get to have someone who's been corrupted by this stuff all at the same time and I just don't understand how the show didn't have the through the throughline of like those three characters as like yeah. three points of view of like John Walker as authoritarian, Carly is kind of like bringing like socialist like communist kind of like ideology to these things and and Sam kind of going like before. I don't know where I don't know where I stand in this. I need to figure out where I stand in yeah, this.
0: Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like that should be the series, is that that triangle between the flag smashers, the government in the form of, of John, and then, you know, superhero movies, they always are trying to pretend that the superhero isn't just a cop, but basically it's a cop. And for like four episodes I'm like, what a what a well crafted villain. And then it becomes very clear they don't think he's a villain. And Carrie Scoglin outright said they intended for John Walker to be likable and that was important to them. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> because, you know, we've talked about how, we talk about sometimes how they try and invoke real world things and like, you know, grappling with race. Disney never try and actually engage with racism and like the MCU doesn't really either. And like, this is the closest they got. It's like, yeah, we're gonna, we're going to address racism. And to have... Essentially the most famous cop in the world murder someone on camera then end in a point of like high fives and quips and he's like their buddy kinda. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like,
1: like, it, it's, it's wild to watch. The start of the next episode where they're like I don't even like they're just like oh come in, they might they might consider your sentence as well. Like, he 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 fully decapitated the man using Captain America's shield. How are you not?
0: Yeah, and then he stands up with the blood dripping off it and he does the little villain like head slight turn of like, I'm twisted, man. It's and just, like Wyatt just... Russell is great. However, by the end of it, the discourse around John Walker is so fucking toxic that like I can't stand that this character exists. And I thought he was For the first half, I thought he was the most successful element in the show. Because you had Wyatt Russell come in and play this, like... As I said, it should be the sympathetic villain. He's like a victim of American exceptionalism. He's a victim of the military-industrial complex. He's the good soldier who's undoubtedly done horrible things for his country without questioning them. Been told, you're the best. Handed something he doesn't deserve. And is crushed by the inability to live up to it, like it destroys him trying to cosplay as Captain America. Like, at first it's like, yeah, he's got the jawline and he's big and he's coming out on TV at a football stadium and isn't it great? And then you see him in the field, anyone disrespects him and he tries to kill them and, like, he's getting spat on and he's making bad jokes about how, like, oh, (laughs) I'm Captain America. It's like, you yeah, and seeing him... Before the big TV appearance, warming up and practicing how to do his lines and needing a pep talk from his wife and his best friend, who, again, not characters because there's no time for them. And isn't it interesting that he has a black wife and a black best friend and yet appears to have some behaviors of racism throughout the show? And yet we hit that point where, like, you know, he craves the super soldier serum. He's like, oh, that's what made Steve Rogers able to be Captain America and I'm not. And he looks at Carly and he looks at Bucky and he resents them and he's desperate for his super soldier serum and he takes it and he becomes a murderous psychopath and they end with him in his own fucking cosplay (laughs) costume as a hero and I don't understand it. You have Bucky and him standing side by side doing Lincoln quips to each other and they're basically high-fiving and
1: I'm like, what the fuck have you done? (laughs) It is genuinely insane. <laughs> to to watch them fuck up that badly with that character, and obviously we do not know where the fuck we are going with Julie Dreyfus as mm. Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. like like Countess Julie Valentina Allegra de
0: Fontaine, de Fontaine. please please, um, Contessa <laughs>
1: even. <laughs> we we generally don't know like because obviously like as we will discuss in two weeks' time, like yeah. she she's supposed to make her first appearance in Black Widow in the post-credit scene recruiting Florence Pugh. We've already had the resolution to that plotline.
0: Yeah, from, she. Like, She's all over the map. Like, is she building a villain team? Is she building, like, the Suicide Squad, where it's like, they're bad guys, but they're going to do good stuff. Completely unclear, because your possible candidates for this, this team are, like, John Walker, Zemo, Yelena, question mark. Yeah, and again, I
1: think the, ultimately at the end of this, you're kind of sat there, and you're like... John Walker, someone who is like actually fundamentally unlikable, someone who who does heinous things on the show, and then the other person she recruits is Elena, who is a good a good person who like is misconstrued into doing things, but she is still fundamentally like fighting for what she thinks is right in the world. Yeah. Whereas John Walker isn't. John Walker is an yeah. angry man,
0: and like it's not like so she's recruiting this guy to be evil, you know, dark Captain America, U.S. agent, all this stuff. It's the shield and a gun kind of thing, or just a gun, whatever. And, you know, he's got an all-black costume. And it's like, okay, I mean, maybe he's gonna go do some... You know, like, the opening, like, the ship mission at the beginning of Winter Soldier. He's gonna do some slightly, like, off-the-grid stuff. And then she hires Yelena to murder an Avenger. Like, (laughs) like, where are we with this character? And I know they're trying to build some sort of suspense there. And is she, she like, an evil Coulson? Is she an evil Nick Fury? You know, the Thunderbolt seems to be where they're going. Is this... Thunderbolt Ross's team. Thunderbolt Ross now can no longer appear in the MCU as the actor has died. And like, I just don't know where we're going with that. And like, is Zemo part of it? Because like, he has historically been a Thunderbolt and like, he's imprisoned in the raft, which Thunderbolt like watches over. And like, <laughs> but he hates super soldiers and John now is one.
1: It's, uh, yeah, it, it's a mess of like, I, I, it feels like the entire remit for these early shows, because I think they're getting. Better at finding like a distilled version of things is yeah. we need to set up and and throw things on the table and like you watch it and you go like if you in your head you go they went from the Winter Soldier to Wonder Vision and like the teething problems are there in terms of what how they're going to do it and then you get to to Loki as their next show which feels. Not self contained because it is setting up other things, but like it feels more interested in what's going on in the remit of the characters. There's a tighter
0: focus on their core cast. Like it's about six people, basically. And you have a backdrop of something grander, but like plot wise, there are six people,
1: essentially. (laughs) Yeah, whereas this is like it's setting up Captain America 4, it's setting up a hypothetical Thunderbolts movie, it's introducing an entirely new hero to this to this thing who they have to kind of, like, retrieve it's a mess in terms of like, its focus, I mean, there's, there's the, the power Van... broker shit, there's, there's the power broker shit which is setting up obviously, fucking, I can't even remember her name Sharon Carter, Sharon Carter as a villain in the MCU, which uh-huh. feels like, like, we've gone from one bad use of Eppley Van Camp to another bad use of Eppley <laughs> Van Camp <laughs> like, yeah, yeah and, and it's, keep, th- there's and, another and, and, one where like
0: shit so she's in she's in Winter Soldier she's in Civil War she does fuck all really like she's kind of Steve's love interest they have a really uh, a chaste kiss the guys which is also not, made more of
1: the fucked up by the fact that like he probably is her uncle because yeah, yeah, yeah. if you assume that the timelines always the same that means that Captain America was existing in the Marvel timeline the entire time was uh-huh,
0: uh-huh
1: and and like you know an actress who I
0: believe has talent, like she's had some misfires in her career, but I think she's a talented actress. And like, here's a show she can play, at, she can be the third lead or something, and she just rocks up for like two episodes and has the worst plot, <laughs> like, like this power broker bullshit. So like, we go to Mad Report, which only fans the flames of the X Men are coming more. Like you know, we've had Pietro and and in division, and everyone was like, oh, Magneto's gonna show up, and then you have Madripoor, which is a huge location for the X-Men, it's just, I mean, it's basically Hong Kong. But, you know, it, it it's like a, it's like an island nation. Yeah, like, of, we, we of,
1: are promising Wolverine is gonna be here, slashing yeah, some, some yeah, thugs. Yeah.
0: Like, Mystique has run Madripoor, Sabretooth has run Madripoor, like, um, it, it it's a big X-Men location. They all go there, there's this word of this person called the Power Broker, who they're talking about in, like, episode 2, and that's the biggest problem. Everyone just talks about the power broker. There's no, there's it's it's so much talk abouting.
1: Like didn't you didn't you get the really subtle thing though, where they kept on referring to the power broker as a he? Yes. So that we'd be surprised by it being a woman. Yes. At the course, end. Of course.
0: they're They're geniuses. Yeah, and you you just hear about this power broker, and then you have like a quasi power broker in that. What is that character called? When they go to Madripoor, who like
1: you know. Oh yeah. The. <laughs>
0: The generic, you know, oh here's a the British one, the one lady. who gets killed
1: after one scene, who like is yeah. fucked up because of a conversation between Sam and his sister.
0: Exactly, and like, like super soldier serum is being sold out of Madripoor. The power broker has it. It's the power broker's big import-export thing. Oh look, Sharon's here oh, I can help you find where they're making the super soldier serum and here's a doctor Hosimo, just fucking murders immediately because of course he does. So when they ultimately reveal Sharon is the power broker, how does she not look fucking stupid for pointing the heroes at her big thing? And you can argue the whole, you know, she ultimately ends up reinstated as a, U.S. you know, uh, yeah like that,
1: that's that's the whole thing is like is, is her game ultimately I want to become a US citizen again because I can do far more if, if I'm in the US yeah. than I'm in Madripoor and like you are literally in a city in which you have like valuable pieces of artwork and you have access to like the entire criminal underbelly and have yeah. also been orchestrating things worldwide I don't understand why being in the US suddenly makes you like yeah. I mean she
0: says the, that like you know US secrets are on the table now and all of that shit and it's like if this is her long game like It's incredibly intricate, and I don't buy it. But, like, it just kind of seems like she just is improvising her way through this interaction. When she could have just led them on a wild goose chase away from the fucking super soldier serum. And maybe she didn't count on Zemo being there. I don't fucking know. But, yeah, all of that is bullshit. I I have
1: to assume she's, like, the only reason she does it is, like, I might lose this scientist. He's not going to be able to reconstitute the super soldier serum. Even though he did. Even though he did. Um.
0: <laughs> and he's talking about tuberculosis. But, like, I,
1: I have to imagine it's just this kind of thing where, well, maybe they'll help me track down Carly, yeah. who who the power broker still has the fucking mobile number from. Yep.
0: yep, 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 yep. And Carly makes no attempt to tell Sam who the power broker is. And I know that, like, you know, she kind of works with her, and it's like, maybe it's bad business, but it's like, you couldn't have just thrown that out there at any point. And they have to do some creative bullshit to have them both be in the same place for the finale without it coming out that Sharon is the power broker and... Yeah, and the, like the Flag Smashers used to be basically her security force and then they are like, fuck this, we're taking our SSS and we're out of here. It's all just convoluted and, and messy and bad, but it does loosely connect to the part of the show that works the best, which is Zemo, Bucky and Wakanda, because Black Panther builds up so much good faith that having even Ao rock up at the end of episode three is like <gasps> Wakanda's here and like the Dora Milaje like kicking ass in episode four is undoubtedly cool like that's easy of course Wakanda works Zemo is a, a, a very well written villain in Civil War comes back he's a lot goofier it goes a little bit too goofy for my taste like you know the, the him dancing yeah, became the, the, a big the meme the, the
1: meme yeah. the of the show was the dancing
0: and he's like <laughs> he's talking about the totality of the the African-American experience and, like, you know, saying all this, like, dumb shit. But, you know, he's kind of fun. And then, you know, Bucky's arc is just cleaner, uh, like, less messy. Like, there's less pressure on Bucky's arc than there is on Sam. Sam has to, like, solve racism and Bucky just has to be, like in therapy and then make good with the Wakandans and, like, he has to not kill Zemo. So, like, all of that, I think, works much better. I mean, fuck all the stuff with, like, him making a am- Well, actually, even that, like, that kind of works by the end of it, but,
1: like... It's, it's just messy bullshit on the side. It's, like, we haven't got to... The, the more interesting... Almost, like, the show that's got more time for it is, like, the one where it comes out that, like, Bucky has solved everything apart from the people who are, like, actually still alive and know he's the yeah, Winter Soldier yeah. kind of thing. Like, because I think that's what the show is kind of going for, is the fact that, like, the people he's got to make amends with after this point are, like, Zemo. And is Sam in the book? Or... Uh, I don't think so. The thing I don't know whether or not... Is it is it, like, he needs to make amends to, like, Sam and Sharon and, and Zemo? He didn't and... really, really do
0: anything to Sam. Like... <laughs> well, that's what
1: I'm... That's what's kind of confusing, is that, like, the big one at the centre of the show is, like, he needs to... Repay Wakanda for unbrainwashing him, mm. and then also kind of like say he forgives Zemo for yeah. It it's cleaner, but it's still just like it's resting on the laurels of Sebastian Sand kind of being a compelling. Sure, but lead. like
0: I think he cries well, like in the, like like when he's being deprogrammed by by A.O. and stuff, and like you know the scene where like she deactivates his arm and it just falls off like that's cold as shit, and and
1: and I know some people in like disabled communities were like <laughs> yeah very annoyed about that.
0: I'm sure I just, you know, I'm not saying like that like Bucky is a rousing success in this show but I look at the two leads and, and like he was given a simpler task and therefore I think he did a better job of rising to it the really impossible task
1: sure I, but i also think it's very telling that it's the part of the show that kind of they're less interested in well it's is, i think
0: it's the easy part it's the it's the crowd pleasing part it's it's the like this is what therapy's like you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then and also the, like here's wakanda
1: and um, uh, it just becomes i think the the downside to it is is, is that like bucky's kind of functionally done yeah. after like episode four
0: yeah really basically.
1: like <laughs> Like he gives over Zemo to the Wakandans, he gives Sam a pep talk, and then like his entire actions in the finale are like kinda wandering around and having a couple of fights with people.
0: So this is the thing. For a very brief moment, (laughs) the show is good. (laughs) And it's called episode five. Which where the Not even like
1: the entirety of episode five. Like once they resolve like all the plot bullshit that's hung over from episode four with like John Walker and they they go like, Let's go have a relaxing weekend and you're like yeah Okay. They're, they're
0: just hanging out like they're listening to music like s- <laughs> Bucky's being told off for flirting with Sam's sister they're drinking beers they're fixing a boat they're training with with the shield they're giving each other genuine nice advice of like you're not making amends you're avenging like do the work which Bucky fully takes on board and just is magically a complete person you know it's like where is this show where is this fun hangout show where the leads have chemistry and like everyone wants to be double teamed by them (laughs) Um, yeah anyway yeah and like this is where like the Sam's family stuff is coming back where it's like they just fuck off for basically three episodes and it's like right let's get back to this like what are they gonna do about their parents fishing boat that doesn't is in too bad condition to sell and like he is too emotionally attached to it and you know even him just training with the shield and doing the flips and shit it's like cool this is all great
1: (laughs) So not only does that make it more annoying when the show goes back to the bullshit they've been doing previously, because yeah. it makes you wish that you're watching the show that this is this is kind of like fundamentally implying it could be. But also like when they're having the conversation and the most laid back thing where like they're kind of having a conversation about Carly and it's like, what do you think Carly's gonna do next? And it's like, Oh my god, don't I don't fucking care. I don't I <laughs> I I don't care. I just wanna see you guys fix a boat. Like oh. and I mean I don't think all of the stuff with the family is like wholly successful. I think no they they're, they're, I mean obviously, this is where the race stuff is kind of like playing at the edges as well that like you've got the, yeah. the you've got the bank scene where yeah
0: where they're using like oh, you've been blipped for five years, so you've got no working income history, and that's a metaphor for the how the system is rigged against black people,
1: yeah, and then they recognize that he's an avenger, and like, oh, can I get your an autograph and it's like, yeah, don't they pay you guys and it's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like in episode. To hit, they're having an argument on the street, and the cops are trying to arrest Sam. And then Bucky even says, "Don't you know who this is?" And they're like, "Oh God, sorry, sir." Like, you know, it's all just so like.
1: Again, if you had black characters who were actually impacted by this, who aren't Asaya Bradley, who is like the most extreme example of like racial, like this isn't even like there is just another black hero who's been who's like habitually arrested. Like, even like again, you could make Carly as a mixed-race person, this character wow. in terms of, like, she gets arrested for doing the things that she's doing but is paraded around for it. And
0: yeah. then
1: you have Sam using his privilege to get out of being arrested. It's, like, there are things in this show that are, like, 25% there to, like, be an interesting kind of, like, metaphor or an interesting comparison point. And the show... Yeah bottles it on like every single one of them. And it's it's that that makes it so frustrating, is that I can see the skeleton of what you're trying to achieve here. You don't commit.
0: Yeah. And like, Isaiah himself is kind of emblematic of the whole thing, because he's all over the map. There are some really good Isaiah scenes, there are some really cringe Isaiah scenes, and like, you know, Isaiah Bradley, like, this is from the comics that they're sort of taking the very famous, the notorious like Tuskegee experiments and like oh what if that was a super soldier serum recreation thing and like he's he's not the first super soldier it's obviously cap but he you know he's the first modern super soldier they sent him to do stuff and then they just locked him up and did experiments on him and he's been quieted and he's like if if the world knew about me they'd assassinate me and and sam is furious he didn't know there was a black super soldier and all of this and and you know you've got carl lumbly who you know the Martian Manhunter himself, who, I think he's he's doing good work, it's just the material is so, like, off. It just goes back and forth, where he's like, you know, he's dropping some truth about, like, you know, you shouldn't even fucking try to be Captain America and fuck this country, essentially. And then they have to bring all that back, where he's like, yeah, you're Captain America, and like, oh, you got me an exhibit in the Smithsonian, that's cool, we're good
1: now. And. <sighs>
0: And like, yeah, hey, it, Don it, it, Cheadle's here as well for one episode and fucks it. off. Like, what was the point
1: in that? <laughs> it's it, that's the thing. Is like Isaiah is or well, Isaiah is like an interesting character in the comic books and mm. in a show with more room, yeah. to balance Steve against this. Like, if you're doing this properly, why do we not have a whole fucking flashback episode? for this character like why is yep. this show and again and i hate i hate to bring back structure like we did in the one Vision episode but why isn't this show each episode focused on a different super soldier absolutely like like you can do here's sam's episode here's bucky's episode here's Ke- carly's episode here's john's episode here's Isaiah's episode and like you bring it all together in kind of like a meaningful conclusion at the end of this and you show mm-hmm. the ways in which super soldierdom or the captain America title has impacted these people's lives and the different ways in which they like use and use and abuse the power and stuff like that and make it into an interesting thing. And instead it's like, but we've got to do 5 billion other things at the same time, none of which are interesting, none of which are like being done well. And, and like, we've just got characters in and like, we're going to do references to things because we remember that you like them. Like the whole conversation with Bucky and Sam in the back of Zemo's car. And like, oh, you're not going to bring the seat forward, and it's like, ha ha! Remember that time in a movie that you liked <laughs> six years ago? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. And like, you know, I already said, like, you know, there should be a Carly POV e episode where like you show her rising up to become this leader. You got to show like John Walker, like the the highlights and lowlights of his military career, where it's like, oh, maybe there were some red flags before all of this happened, where it's like, you know. He's gotten the handshake from, from high up, but he's done some fucked up shit here that show his true character. Like, you've got to show Isaiah on the on these missions. Like, you, you know, they do show one Winter Soldier assassination moment, and it's fine, but, like, there's just so much... It, it's, it's staggering to me that they have so much time. They ha- it's so long. Like, there are six episodes, and some of them are an hour, and it still feels like they just didn't have the time for things. And it's because they... They're just... I think, like you said, they've just... It's just a... The whole thing is an elevator pitch bucket. Like, they just, like, throw out some stuff and, like, we'll work with it going forward. And they just never took the time to craft a show that works. And,
1: like, I mean, again, it, it's, it's the weakness of all of this. is the weakness of streaming services not understanding what television should be. Instead, yeah. it should be... Instead, we should be making six-hour movies. And I'm glad this isn't 13 fucking hours like the Netflix shows, <laughs> but you're still making this four hours too long for what, like what this could be if you were doing, like, a lean version of it. It's the fact that, like, when we're pulling in creative people for these things, there is a severe dearth of people who have proven that they are, like, ready to take on a $150 million TV show. And I don't think the creatives they plucked for the show are that. And I'm not saying that, like seeing if you can get, like, John Ridley or Steve McQueen in to go do this is, is the right thing to do, because I think both of those people are more interested in doing other things. But at least John Ridley is fucking writing Captain America right now and has actual <laughs> things to say about fucking racing in the United States. And it, it's, just, it's just the baffling thing where it's, like, the, the things that they want to put the money into are the things that are on screen, and the, they want to make it look like a movie. And obviously... Marvel has kind of like stripped away what it means to look like a movie in that this this <laughs> does look like a Marvel movie but yeah, only know. because Marvel movies kind of like are colour corrected and colour softened to like shit at this point but you don't want to invest the money into the actual creative side of it and having people have a voice what you're aiming to make is a rock solid like 6 out of 10 unless you have something in there that kind of pops and kind of elevates it and the issue is, is this show is aiming for a 6 out of 10 but it's bungling everything that it could possibly do and it ends up just being bad Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I mean we, we've
0: touched on on the future like you know there is a Captain America 4 coming Sharon Carter is presumably like a, a sort of big bad for many Marvel things like the Captain America verse which is always like the, the forward momentum American focused part of the MCU do we ever see Bucky again
1: like <laughs> Is he just yeah, good? Yeah, he, feels, or... he feels fully done. Like, I mean, there, there's so many just weird question marks. And this like, do we fucking, like, they cast a nobody as Eli Bradley. And it's like, yeah. if we're doing Young Avengers, are you getting this actor who yeah. was in, like, two scenes in the background back to yeah. Eli Bradley? Because that uh, feels a waste.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, we, we talked about how, like, they're building the Thunderbolts. They're also, as we touched on last week, building a Young Avengers. Clearly, like, we had Wanda's kids. Um, Isaiah's grandson, Eli Bradley, becomes Patriot in the comics. Makes zero impact here. You're you're possibly saying Torres is going to be a young adventure as a new Falcon. Zero impact here. You know, you've got you've got JLD, you know, debuting and, and like, you know, making John Walker her man and like Zemo's locked up and maybe something's happening there. And yeah, Sam's cap now, and like none of that is exciting <laughs> in any way. And like
1: it, it, it's also made especially not exciting because as we said earlier, like Spillman is pegged as the co writer of Captain America Four, and it's like, oh, yeah. so we're coming off. Captain America movies written by... The people. guys that got given the keys to Avengers. <laughs> like... And we're going to Malcolm Spellman, who is a man who, like, I understand that this story needs to be told by a person of colour, but, like, I don't see anything in this that has shown me that, like, he is able to grapple with the questions that they are trying to do, no. other than, like... And, and I, don't, I don't want to say that, like, he's a bad writer, I've not seen yeah. enough vampire to know to know these kind of things, and maybe <clears throat> this is just the completely the wrong circumstances to do it, but it feels like either Marvel is unwilling to grapple with it in a way that's interesting or he isn't capable yeah. of kind of like elevating it to a level where it needs to be and like I, I don't know which of those is worse that is yeah. Marvel attempting to and not being capable of letting people do it or they're not able to find the creatives who actually have a, a voice in to say it and, and mm. then the thing is we have Ryan Coogler on board and telling interesting stories about race, and obviously Black Panther 2 is a huge question mark right now, but it's like you've shown that you're capable and willing to engage with this in ways that feel, Mm. not progressive but at least interesting and like cinematic
0: You wonder if Black Panther ended up being more than they ever expected, (laughs) you know, they thought it would just be a quiet little No, that was okay. That was decent, and it became this
1: absolute phenomenon. Oh, I I don't think they do, and I think there's a there's a very core reason why Captain Marvel does not similar amounts of money, but like it does over a billion. It's the first solo movie after Black Panther to do a billion dollars. But it's why they're comfortable to retitle that as the Marvels Two, and why Black Panther Two is like Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. Like we have built an empire, and Uh, and now just a huge question mark with Bowden's death about what that movie looks like. Yeah. And, like, yeah.
0: I'll take an Avengers movie written by someone good with 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 Sam, Sam Cap, but, like, yeah, I, have, I just have zero interest. Unless they announce somebody actually cool has joined as co-writer or something. Zero interest in a Captain America 4. And that would, again, be, you know, something that's going to come up. A lot of the projects post-Endgame have had, you know, non-white, non-male leads. And when they, you know, if they fail do you get, like, the return of an Ike Perlmutter saying, like, see, kids only buy male toys and, like... To. I think
1: I think we're skirting past that at the moment by the fact that, like, it feels like merchandise and engagement is still at a high. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, like, they sold a bunch of those, uh, of, of, like, Sam Falcon, like, action figures. Like, it, it's a cool design. Just wish they did more with it. Right, let's wrap up. I suppose we should do Villain Watch. This, this show... Has the Flag Smashers, John Walker, Zemo, Sharon Carter, Batrock the fucking Leaper is back. And then whatever you want to call JLD... What a mess
1: is is
0: the main <laughs> villain the flag smashers
1: uh, that's where they pivot to by the last episode, and it's like they shouldn't be yeah it's', it's the, the like the i think that that's the fundamental weakness with the villains in this movie is the flag smashers should not be your main villains, no nope. they should be sympathetic <laughs> people who are like a actual source of conflict between yeah. John and Sam,
0: yeah, like in a world where they know that John is the villain, I'm willing to come out here and make a case that he's like. Knocking on the door of being an actually good villain. But they don't think he is a villain, and they actually have him in, like, (laughs) the heroic third role by the end of the fucking thing. So is he just disqualified from this discussion? Possibly. Zemo, like, you know, it's a nice return for him. A character that was well-written but not fully realised in Civil War. Like, I don't think he's, like, completely transformed. Like, you give him the slightly more comic-accurate look, and you establish, oh yeah, he's a baron and he likes swords and stuff. Which is going slightly more towards him being an actual thing, but like I don't know, nothing like has dramatically changed him here for me.
1: No, no he was he was never the like interesting part of Civil War in terms of like being a villain. It's uh, well, the stuff, I, I... he's he's good at what we need to be, and he's got the sympathetic part of it. But like, there's yeah. a whole reason why that movie doesn't pivot into a big fight with Baron Zemo. Well, like him
0: him. Him not being that I'm-gonna-fight-you villain was why he worked so well. And now they're sort of almost pivoting towards him being a, we-have-to-fight-Zemo.
1: I mean, it's the only through-line that kind of, like, works between them, where it's like, yeah, yeah his whole thing is he just doesn't like super-soldiers. Like, I do like, he just, that, that like just wants to kill super-soldiers. Yeah. But then why is he let John Walker survive at the end.
0: I, I do enjoy that, like, the, the the language of movies is such that when a vial of that serum rolls his way, he should inject himself with it, and instead he smashes all of it. And I, I do like that as a true-to-character beat, that he just truly believes that these are, this is a bad thing to exist, and no one should have this. But, you know, it's not transforming the character. Sharon, like, whatever. Uh, Batroc, Lol. Like you know, just how has this guy
1: been? When, in... when, when? So, batchrock in the first episode is kind of like a fun, like, oh, cool, I remember this guy. And then when he shows up in the <laughs> finale and it's like, oh, you you stole my money. I'm like, no one cares. Like, genuinely, no one cares. It's, we've, it's we've... the
0: Thanos meme. It's the I don't know who you are thing. <laughs> and they're doing like buy some baguettes and French fries. I like, cool, gentle racism. And also, he can't act because he's not an actor, and he can barely speak
1: English. And you, you you completely neutered him in that first appearance in the season, which kind of like sucks all the excitement to see him later on when like the fight scene he needs in, in Winter Soldier is fun and yeah. good. And then in this one he's like, We're in a helicopter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, so we can't kick.
0: You hired this dude because he can legit do kicks and stuff and you're asking him to be a mahaha like one liner villain and he's not that. I don't know what you fall on the flag smashers. I'm I'm like sympathetic to what they were what was promised to them, and, and like they were just stripped away of. So, some part of me wants to say they're that middle ground, but like, you know, arguably the final execution is so bad that they've got to be that bottom category. But ultimately, who gives I think, a I shit?
1: Think I think that's the thing is like the intention for yes. all of these is good, and there is a good version of all of them. Yeah, and I think, but I think more so than any other villain, it's, it's like. They're trying to tell you what the flag smashers stand for. They're trying to give John Walker a point of view, <laughs> which is more than you get for some of these other villains. Where it's like, I just yeah. want to destroy a planet. <laughs> yeah, 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 like that's kind of, that's my life goal as, as Ronan <laughs> is to destroy a planet. As like, okay, one day
0: Ronan will be redeemed as an interesting villain. <laughs>
1: And when that day
0: comes, I will stand mightily on the shoulders of giants.
1: Yeah. The issue with all the villains here is that, like, they try and make them interesting, they do some of the legwork to do it, and then they're just kind of like... It's like they go from, like, point A to point C to point Q, and you're like, (laughs) wait... What? Yeah, yeah. I, I've missed. I've the missed only way any
0: of them are any good, if you is if you sit there with your fan fiction pen and you fill in the gaps for them. Yes, and like that doesn't count as good villain. They can all be in the bottom category as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Let's talk about something more fun. So, all Marvel list. Wyatt Russell is putting in a very good shift. However, given how that character lands, I just am not willing to give it to him.
1: <laughs> I think that's that's the fundamental issue. Is like he is the only person. In contention, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, Erin Kellyman should be a star. She's done Star Wars and Marvel, and both times it's in a bad thing, and in this case it's something that got, like, made worse for her by, like, circumstances beyond her control. I think she, there are scenes here and there, I, basically, I think she has an all-Marvel performance in her, it just isn't here. Yeah. Because... And,
1: and and she's dead as well. So she's never, she's <laughs> yeah. never gonna get to I it.
0: just mean like in a world where you run this back and there's no COVID to contend with and you actually write a show properly, I think she's got what it takes to do it. because like, there are scenes when she is allowed to talk at length that where she's showing she is good,
1: but it... And I think I think that's the fundamental weakness is that like I don't think Marvel are bad at casting. No. Like and I think what what's happened now is they luck the fuck out with Tom Hiddleston and with Elizabeth Olsen in terms of these are lead performers who you manage to get at a point in time in which you could put them in your supporting role in a movie. Well, yeah, and like, even, like,
0: you know, they pluck Chris Hemsworth out of, Ameri- of Australian soaps and now, I mean, they, they'll they tell you he's an A-lister, he's done nothing good outside of Marvel, but, you know, like, they're, they're getting people on the up or who have floundered a bit and they're, like, making them huge stars and they've got they've, they've like got them locked into these huge depressing yeah. contracts and, and
1: <laughs> you look at the casting jobs across all these series yeah. with Sophia de Martino on Loki you see Florence Pugh in Black Widow you see Hayley Steinfeld in guy. Guy. and like they've done a great job at casting like people who are like co-leads or like supporting actors and stuff like that but what what this show struggles with is they took two supporting performances and tried to make them leads, mm-hmm. and then they found two good supporting performers who they're completely new to because the show's kind of like pivoted entirely wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. like like Wyatt Russell and Aaron Kellerman are like the perfect foils for this kind of show, yeah. but because you've you've sucked so much energy out of it by having it be about Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, yeah, like they cannot fill the void of the charisma by this not being a show in which they're able to kind of, like, succeed. And I'm not and not to say that Stan and, and Mackie don't have charisma, they just don't have enough charisma to, yeah. to beat leads in this kind of project. I think that's
0: the thing. Like, you know, I, I feel a need to talk about the leads in this section, even if they're not going to get it. And, like, I think they were both fine, but they needed to, one or both of them needed to have a breakout performance and be like, oh, wow, this has just been here all the time. They and needed me- their Hemsworth in Ragnarok. Yeah, neither of them did it basically. Um, so, basically, no one gets it. Do we just immediately give this to Elizabeth Olsen from last week, or do we hold on to
1: it? We'll hold on to it just for a little while and we we'll see if there's anything else that comes up. But, like, definitely, like, a little asterisk next to her at this point. Like th- She, is, she yeah. is first on our list of people who could get it at this point.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, there's a strong chance. Well, no, we'll see what happens next week. I think we're going to have a little argument, but we'll see what <laughs> happens. Because next week is Loki, finally, a good TV show. Well, the WandaVision was decent.
1: Loki is probably the most successful of all of these Mm. shows, like, of the four from from last year. I think it's the one that kind of has a successful beginning, middle, and end, and maybe that's because it's an actual TV series that's been renewed for a second
0: season. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, we will talk about that next week. Thank you for joining us on this way-too-many-minutes journey about a fundamentally... Very bad show. A really dark chapter for the MCU. You know, you talked about how like absence hasn't made the heart grow fonder with Marvel being away for like the best part of two years and like seeing this as like the effort they come back with and like this is meant to be like the main bit. This is this is the closest to this is the ongoing MCU plot of anything they've done. Everything else is kind of a satellite thing or it's a different corner of the universe and seeing this as like what they've in what they're investing in is really fucking grim.
1: I think the <laughs> warning lights went on a lot faster last year if this had been what they came back with before WandaVision I think yeah. WandaVision and Loki kind of gave them a lot of goodwill yeah. in terms of like how I'm viewing it and it's only by the end of the year that I'm like I, I don't know where we're going yeah. and I think if it had, if it had yeah. been what the original intent was, was Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Widow at the top of the year I'm like, oh shit, i Marvel like fully off the rails at this point <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well yeah so next week join us where we will have a infinitely more positive conversation as we get into variants and the tva and miss minutes and it's all going to be a great time so until then thank you for listening i have been malwaters you have been Phillips. phillips yes you have Excelsior! excelsior